Carl Johnson, welcome to Cup of Joe. Nice to see you, buddy. Nice to see you too, man. Thanks for having me on. Sure thing, man. So um, we know each other for a while, thanks to your company, St. Creative. And um, you just said, you know, we don't, I don't really do a whole lot of stuff, but you're like, it's cool to talk about whatever. So Governor Whitmer, yay or nay? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, let's, let's get right to it, right? <laughs> no, but, but, um, but, you know, you've done some design work, logos, uh, print, all kinds of stuff. So that's what you've done, like, for me. But, like, tell us about St. Creative. Like, how, how'd you get there? What inspired you? How long has it been? It, it, give us the whole rundown, man. I, I got no time frame, so let's rock. Cool, yeah. So I've been self-employed uh, doing St. Creative for the past 10 years. Uh, it's been an adventurous ride. Started in 2010. Um, there's the logo right there behind me. Um, and also on the hat, but uh, yeah, just uh, kind of out of necessity. But I'm, um, you know, when we had the recession, I got laid off from my design job, and drastic times call for drastic measures. So decided to do something really smart, you know, start a business. <laughs> exactly. In a, in a scary time, but man, it's been awesome, and I and I actually I wouldn't change it for anything. You know, uh, you learn a lot of really cool things along the way. Uh, you learn about business, you learn about yourself, you learn about your clients. And so uh, I just approach it um, kind of from that standpoint, humbly and hopefully creatively. Were you married when you started the company? I was married with two young kids, ages uh, two and one at the time. Wow. But you, but you know what? We look at things sometimes when we when we start something or we have uh, an idea or something big in our lives that we want to do, and we kind of we say, "Oh, now's not the right time. I need to wait until A, B, or C." But if you really think about it, when is the right time to to tackle something? You know, life is moving on, life is moving forward, and sometimes you got to jump in and just do it, even if conditions are less than ideal. No, I agree. Um, it's certainly that way when you're trying to plan your family or plan, you know, just about anything. Um, there is no real right time because when it comes to your business, your your family, um, you know, getting a new dog, I mean, any of these things, right. you know, some things are obviously a little bit more simplistic, but it's like, I can come up with a hundred reasons why today's not a good day for you to do something. You know, well, you know, John Lennon says life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. And my, my whole take on it is now is the time. Today's the day to go after it. Um, because if you wait, you know, you could put it off for six months, a year, two years, or maybe, maybe never. So uh, I don't know, I, I tend to just go for it and encourage and encourage people to go for it as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, it, in my business, you know, people ask me all the time about joining and I am always, you know, cautiously um, encouraging it. In other words, it's a great business. I get to work with people. I get to help people. I have an opportunity to make a, a really good income, but all of that comes with the risk of not having, you know, someone directly over your head telling you what to do, how to do it, why you did something right or wrong. No one's going to fire you. No one, you know, and, um, you know, with what I do and probably with what a lot of people do, but, you know, with real estate, I mean, 
everybody seems to know at least one realtor. And so if you become the second one that they know, and then they actually need a realtor, what is it that's going to make them use you versus the other person? Um, And I don't mean like, oh, let's come up with an elevator speech. I'm just saying like, this is the reality, right? Like you guys probably know more than just me. If you decided to move, you know, who are you going to call? Why? And the reality is that like, there's a lot of business out there, but it's not all going to come to you. And so, you know, when you're going to join, you know, this industry, I just want you to think about those things and keep in mind, we get paid at the close. So in a best case scenario, you've got a family member who wants to move and they're excited to use you. So you get your license today. And then tonight you go out and you show a house and you write a contract and it gets accepted. Best case scenario is in about 30 to 50 days, you're going to get your first check. But if you started a new job today, I mean, of course there are some that that's, you know, once a month paid, but on average, if you started a new job today by Thanksgiving, you would have a paycheck. So there's a big difference. Yeah. And I think that that requires uh, some patience that, you know, right out of the gate, but also you might be able to speak into this. Once you start that process of becoming a realtor or doing your, your thing, it might take a year or two to develop that business, develop that, uh, that client base. It, it's like, like you're saying, it's not going to happen right away in two weeks or in two months. You might have to lay a lot of groundwork. But once you establish that and establish your clients and, and get that thing rolling, it's going to be awesome. But that, that process might take a year to kind of get there or, or longer. I don't know. It's going to take a year at least for... I mean, any business, it seems like, again, I, I know that there's always exceptions to the rule, but in general, it's going to take a year because you're building a name and a brand along with your business, you know, um, same thing. I mean, maybe I don't know a design guy, but you just got started and I don't know you, but I, I mean, like, I know you, but I don't know you that well. And so you just got started, but there's, you know, Vista print. And so I think I'm going to just try them instead, Carl, right? Like, well, there's Fiverr where you can get logos for 10 bucks, man. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, I think $26 for my most recent one. um, Wait, what? Yeah. Which of course you told me to go to. So, (laughs) so let's, so like, there's so much to starting your business and you said like, like you hinted at it, you know, you laid the sarcasm down, like, it was a great time to start during the recession. I mean, and I don't know if your wife was working at the time or not working, but like, what was the plan? You know, you're like, all right, I just lost my job and I think I could do this on my own. Let's mesh these two things together. How, how's that, you know, how'd that work out, man? Yeah, I think it was a leap of faith and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of plan because there was limited options. I was running out of options. I had three really big interviews that year where each time I was the, it it boiled down to me and another candidate. So it was two people. And that happened three times. And dude, like it was getting really discouraging, you know, and it was, um, frankly, it was getting scary, you know? And I think when it comes time to start a business or to start anything or to do these life, uh, these big life events that you've kind of talked, we've touched on a little bit, I think fear is just a massive, 
massive thing that we have to deal with and grapple with. I mean, it's going to be a force that's always in our lives. So, I mean, you're going to, you have to grapple with it. And, um, you know, I just made the decision to go for it. And I had a partner to come alongside me in that season, my friend, Josh, and we actually started the business together. If I didn't have him, I don't think I would have started it to be honest, because I was, you know, fearful. Mm-hmm. But I'm so thankful that that we were able to come together for that time to start the business. And it's worked out, man. And I really like in this thing, you know, I have a feeling, Joe, that most of us don't have a clue what we're doing in life. We either fake it till we make it or we try to hide, you know, but when we put our head down, you know, at night in our pillow, I think there's always that nagging question, you know, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> do I really do I really know what I'm doing? You know, so I think we I think we find our way. I'm not saying that that's hopeless. We find our way. But if you kind of embrace it, like people ask me, what's it like owning a business? I just say, because I'm more of an optimistic person by nature. I just say, man, it's an adventure. It's an and, and that it, I could say that's the positive way to saying it's dangerous. It's scary. It's unpredictable. There's a lot of unknowns. But right. I just say, dude, it's an adventure. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think all, it is all of those things and it is an adventure. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is like, um, whether you're Mark Zuckerberg or, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos or you're you and I, like, it's an adventure for all of us, you know, to uh, start something and, it's a it's a ride and and we all kind of we do have some say in how that ride goes um, well actually a lot of say right i think that's a big misconception there is a lot of say in how our ride goes i could choose to every day wake up at a certain time by 8 a.m hammer phones calling on um for sale by owners expired listings and and keep calling and calling and calling and, and basically you call till either you get told they're going to list with you or they tell you to, you know, go F off and die. And sometimes you still call after that because they haven't listed with you. And I mean, that is a mentality of some people in our industry. And I could do that and probably make more money. Um, for me, that's not my business. And I'm not knocking for those that it is. It's just not my model. But the point of that is all to say we have a decision in the ride that we're making and are taking and and i chose to take a certain path that did not include those things and we all have those choices right like i'm sure you had a similar thought when you did something whether it was yesterday or when you first started your business as far as you know something that you chose to do or not to do for your business for yourself and your business yeah, yeah, and I, and I think you're right when you when you call it a ride because it is a ride and it's a trip, it's a it's a journey. Like, and I liken being in small business onto being out at the sea. I really like sailing and sailor metaphors, and I like the imagery of being out on the ship. Um, there's really something beautiful about that being an uh, uh, an ocean navigator, mm-hmm. and I feel like when you're in business, you're out in the ocean, and you know, you have a few instincts, you have, you have a compass, you have these tools, right, to help guide you and help, help your sailing and help your journey. But really, there's a lot of unknown. There's a force to be reckoned with, that's the ocean, and it could kill you. So you have all of this danger and this beauty kind of colliding, 
But so there's, I, like I said, when I'm, when I'm traveling in the ship of the unknown and um, unpredictability, which I think we, we can understand based upon this year, I think we can understand that term. Um, the ocean, like I'm out there in this vast ocean, you know, I could get swallowed up and there's danger and all that stuff. But way I, the way that I like to look at it, man, is every night you get to see the sunset. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful ride. And being out in the ocean and being in small business is so beautiful because I get to enjoy the scenery and I get to enjoy that sunset every night. And that's just how I look at it. Absolutely. That's, I, I think, a great way to look at it. So where do you throw the caution out there um, for yourself or if someone's, you know, thinking about getting into the industry and they're talking to you as almost like a mentor? Because I think it's important that we talk about all aspects, right? So you talk about some of the, like I said, your best case scenario, you're going to get paid in 30 to 50 days. That's a really rare case, right? And it's not about getting paid, but at the same time, if you have a house, you have a wife or you know a family and, and kids and a dog and a car and food that you need, yeah. you need to get paid at some point. Um, right. And so we just need to talk about that, you know. And so where where does the caution or the um, you know uh, like stop sign show up for you to to start something? Yeah. I don't think you should be foolish and reckless. You know, you need to be prepared. You need to do your homework. Uh, you need to be smart about your decisions. Uh, you need to do a, a lot of planning. You need to talk to people that you trust to get ideas and get insight, right? You need to lean into someone that might have, that has gone before you in that, in that industry or in that path and glean wisdom and glean, uh, you know, business knowledge of whatever it is from them and to, and to help them and ask them, Hey, can you pour into me here? Because I'm thinking about doing this. What, what have you learned from this? And you can actually learn from their mistakes, their failures, and also their successes to maybe help guide you as you start that journey. Right? So, I mean, I would say to look to people, if you want to be successful, look at people who have been successful and look at a lot of, look at some of these similarities in in their life look at similarities in leaders and or people that have you know done well and kind of and kind of look at things like that i, I don't know i feel like that i, I kind of answered it all over the map that's all right that's but, right but uh you're a creative guy so you don't think linearly so it's all good man you're like <laughs> you know what i think like kanye so this is just let's just pretend that this is joe rogan a cup <laughs> of joe rogan and kanye we're gonna go three hours man perfect uh, I'm going to talk for two hours and 50 minutes of it. Yeah. Yeah. You do the talking. I'll just sit back. Um, I'm just kidding. Hey, you didn't ask me, by the way, what I brought to the table. For oh, I bought this. So a little, I, little, little kiwi strawberry. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm just uh, sipping on the rest of my coffee from the morning. My new jam is um, I don't eat breakfast anymore. Um, so... And then I try to get in like a walk or exercise or something like that, um, and, like earlier in the morning. And that might mean 6 a.m. It might mean 8 a.m. Really depends on the day. Um, and I have some sort of like little drink that I drink um, that's supposed to be like a, you know, a healthy um, like appetizer or appetite, you know, suppressant of some sort. I don't know. It seems to be doing fine and tastes good. And it has some nutrients in it. So worst case scenario, I'm getting some vitamins and minerals out of it. 
best case scenario, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, anyways, and so I don't take in anything to, except some coffee until about 11 or 12 in the morning, 11 a.m., 12 p.m., and then I finally eat food. Wow, interesting. I'm a I'm a coffee drinker at a certain window in the morning. I have to have it between seven and ten thirty. Ten thirty is my cutoff. I can't drink coffee later in the day. I just it 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 feels right and perfect in the morning. Yeah, and there's something so comforting about about getting up and looking forward to, to coffee. You know, you're in trouble, Joe, when you go to bed at night. And you're excited about them waking up in the morning just so you can have coffee. Well, Folgers thinks it's a good thing because they used to sing the best part of waking up was Folgers. So, and I try to tell my wife that I'm the best part of waking up in the morning for yeah. her, and she's she's still kind of undecided. Yeah, you'll get there. But, but hey, let's go back to business, dude. Let's look at the connection between me, what me and you do, and let's see if we can find. Because here's what I think. The beautiful thing about being in business or it, even in what you, what you do in the interactions that you have with your clients, I believe that the reward of what we do is relationships. At the end of the day, that's gold. And you, I don't know if you're a people person, but that's one of the things I value and appreciate the most and the biggest joys I get out of being in, in, a, uh, in business is the customers, the clients, and the people that I get to meet and interact with. You being one of them. I mean, we do business together, but dude, the friendship, or sometimes the friendship you get with clients, but the relationship is so crucial. And you might have that with some of your clients, dude, that you, you really develop a strong bond with them. And it makes the whole process so much more enjoyable with what you do, man. You get to help somebody. You get to uh, be a part of them finding an awesome house, you know? But you get connected to them and you probably really, I don't know if you value the relationship aspect of it, but I think that's one of the greatest things about business. No, you're right. Uh, for, for myself, going back to the path, you know, of, of what I could do or don't do, it was all relationship. I mean, I am uh, more than happy to pick up the phone. It's just a matter of, uh, I don't want to pick up the phone and call somebody that doesn't know that I'm going to call them and then talk to them about something they weren't prepared for me to talk to them about. And so the relationship is key. And it's why, um, you know, when we say like, it's, uh, it's something that's going to take at least a year, that's just to kind of start making your foundation, right? So you've got the, here's your base level first year it takes another few, especially if you're not going to be going out of the way with emails, phone calls, text messages, and getting in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, um, that it's going to take a while because coming back to, okay, you know, you know me, so maybe you refer me to your friend, but your friend got a referral from someone else and maybe someone else. So again, which person do they use and that type of thing? So it takes a while for all these referrals to actually happen in the first place. And then every one of them doesn't call or doesn't call you back or whatever. So they don't all pan out. And so, you know, it's why I tell you, I'll tell you the truth. My third year in the business, I did try some other methods, things that I saw working for agents that are making probably seven figures a year, um, growing teams and I mean, starting things and doing big, big things. And I, I said, well, it's not that hard to do some of those things. So I started doing some of them is my worst year in real estate. I did like 12 or 13 transactions or 14 or something, um, you know, and then I got back to it during that year. I got back to what I normally do. And I do plenty of Facebook posts and advertising. So it's not like I'm no advertising guy. I just dropped off 
well, you know, I advertise. I just dropped off 2,200 of the postcards you made for me. And okay. You have, nicest, you have the nicest looking postcards in all, for any realtor in all of Southeast Michigan. That is absolutely true. And I, you know, I credit it all to you. Um, and so, but, so I do advertising, right? But it was all the relationship. It's working with people that know me either via social media or in person, or they've seen me around town or things like that. And and so my advertising is very specific. Yes, I, I advertise at the high school, both of them, because there's two in my town and because I do business on both sides of town. And so I do support both families, you know, like now I'm rooting for mine. Like when East plays old, I'm like, let's go South Lion, let's kick East butt. But when it comes to dropping a few hundred dollars on a sign and investing into a golf tournament, I'm happy to do for both if I have the money to do for both. You know, and, and, but that's an intentional thing because I feel like it's an advertisement for me and it's a benefit to the schools and the programs. You know, they need these dollars to pay for the uniforms, the helmets, the mouth guards, and the coaches if they get paid. I don't even know if you get paid for high school coaching in Michigan. All that stuff, right? So, and, 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 and so it's all about the relationship. And it's definitely really fun when you develop some sort of relationship like friendship or uh, at least an acquaintance after the fact right well you're in the people business and i think what is the distinguishing thing that's going to make someone go with you versus another person and i think once you establish yourself with your with your clients dude like the thing that's worked for me in business or with saint creative is i think people have found out over the years that i'm not in this just to make money I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't want just a check from you once I, you know, like, I think they genuinely believe that I care about them and I want the best for them. I want them to succeed. And I think that might be the, might be the same for you. Once people see that, dude, you actually, you care about people. I think that you go beyond business at that point. You've established trust. You know what I mean? And all, and so many other good things. And then, um, once they see that that you genuinely you genuinely want to take care of them, like you can't fake that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. I, so when a few years ago, um, actually like eight years ago, my mom first got sick, and then a few years ago, she finally just couldn't fight it all off anymore and was basically dying in the hospital. And um, I remember we talked. We talked on the phone. Absolutely, we did. And that's what I was going to say. And I remember, you know, you um, have uh, a faithful, you know, background, religious background, things like that. And, and I do not. And you said, well, what about your mom? You know, like, does she need anything? Because if she does, especially if she's not, maybe she wants, you know, some time to talk or pray or anything like that. Um, you're like, you know, I'd be happy to go do that with her for you, you know? And I mean, like, that is exactly what you're talking about. You didn't do that. So I bought more postcards, you know, you didn't do that. So I would make sure to get my next logo design from you. you and, not, and not Fiverr. <laughs> you did that because that's who you are and that's what's important. And that, and that's part of life, right? It's like, we know each other, you have something to offer that I don't. And so if you can do so, you'll do it. You know, and, and that's really, that's the awesome part about developing relationships versus creating transactions. That's right. You know, um, 
stuff like that, you know, things that can come up, times that you can help. Yeah, and that's been the greatest joy for me in business has been the relationship because I, I just care more about people than I do about the product mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day. And I yeah. think that has served me well over the long, over 10 years. You know what I mean? I think as, as, long, as soon as people see that, I think that's the key for the, for the best businesses in the world, for the best companies that we love. You, can, you get this feeling that, dude, they're not just in it to make a buck. They actually care about customer service. They care about support. They care about, you know what I mean? The customer. And uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. It, maybe not. But that's what I, that's what I feel. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't go out of my way to find all the values of every company that I use, but I do sometimes go out of my way to not use certain companies that I don't believe line up with certain values of mine. And it can get inconsistent because I'm not actively searching. So one company, you know, I might feel like, oh, they really take advantage of their employees. Well, what about this company that you bought all of your stuff from? Though they, they don't take advantage of their employees. I heard they're making minimum wage that they, you know, are all part time. And it's like, all right, yeah, I don't know, you know, and so it's inconsistent. But I think at this, but to your point, there are certain values or certain things that you know about, and you might be willing to use that company for those reasons, because they align with what you believe in. I, I, yeah, yeah. And I just think there's cool companies that stand out. And they're more rare. And you might have one if you thought about it, but I'll give you one for example. Have you ever been to the Cherry Republic? Like no. up north anywhere? No? No. Oh, dude, you got to check them out, man. They're, they're out of um, Glen Arbor, like, which is uh, near Traverse City. Mm -hmm. They started up there. And you know Michigan's the cherry capital of the world, right? Yes. So Cherry, so cherry Republic is like beaches. Their, their, team, their tagline is like beaches, cherries, like life. And it's like everything, all their products are just everything cherry related, but the, the vibe, the personality of the company is really awesome. And it's a Michigan company, right? Yeah. And they just have this such a unique personality. And when you go into their stores, they've got free samples. Like, I'm not saying just because they're giving you free stuff, but their products are really good, really high level products. And every time you go in there, there's just free samples for you to try. And uh, there's a, so the, the closest one is in Ann Arbor, actually. So I just check it out, man. And I, they're just a cool company. But yeah. that's, that's kind of off subject to what we're well, talking about. I mean, you're wearing a cool company right now. You know, Dude, they, yeah, man, me and you both support merit. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, so we're not here to plug everybody, but merit's a, it got an interesting story, background and brand. And so you know, uh, meritgoodness.com, check it out. And uh, if it's something you get behind, order something up. You know, it's, it's cool, local Detroit-based, you know, company um, that has an interesting background and an interesting uh, future as well. It's, it's just good to support people, man. If you, if you dig their mission or if they have something good going on, support them with your money and your finances because that actually means something to people, you know? Yep, absolutely. So, uh, so speaking of not always, you know, for the dollar, um, and, and, and actually fiber, right. So like you created one of the first logos of a company that, um, a, fr a mutual friend of ours, you know, and I had started and then, you know, with you, this is what was awesome was like, we said, Hey man, um, we're going to start a moving company. And you're like, Oh, cool. Sounds good. Right. And we're like, uh, we need a logo. And you're like, all right, well, like, what's the name of the company? 
And then you sent a few logos. I mean, like, I don't think we had much more conversation than that, right? And you sent a few, and we said, okay, we're, we don't want this and we don't want that, right? We yeah. gave a couple of don't wants, but we didn't give a lot of do's. You sent us a, a, you know, maybe 10, 12 different ideas. We combined a few. And I mean, in literally a couple of weeks, probably less, but it was, you know, like 10 years ago or something. So I don't remember, you know, but like in a, in a couple of weeks, boom, we had a, a logo, we had a brand, something that we felt we could brand. Um, and, and people loved us. In fact, we would get phone calls and every, at least twice a year, someone booked a move with us strictly because of the company logo. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, and so, but from, you know, thanks to the internet, there's now outsourcing and, and fiber is just a big one. There's more than them. And um, so when I branched out on my own uh, with, with uh, real estate, well, I'm, I'm with a, a brokerage, obviously, but, you know, when I decided to kind of personalize my, my own brand within the brokerage, um, at that time, you know, it was going to be too expensive for you to create a logo that they could create. And you were the one to put me onto them, right? You're like, hey, I'm happy to do it. But it's going to be like X to Y dollars, depending on what we do. Check out this site. And they probably, and it was like, it, what, I mean, it was 30 bucks or something like that. And they sent me like five versions and then and then one edit. And then with that, it came with animation and it came, I mean, all this stuff is so cheap. You know? well, it's, it, it's risky to, on one hand, dude, you're taking a gamble when you do that because, but the price is so cheap that sometimes it's worth it to take that gamble and it, it, it worked out well for you. But I mean, I've heard horror stories as well, just to be fair, that people have tried that and it's, and it's gone really south really quick, but you get what you get, you know, sometimes it is what it is. And, uh, but I think it worked out good for you. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this too, there's a big difference. So like what, what you created for the moving company probably would not have gotten created for $30 or $50 through five. I don't think so. Um, and, and let me add this, dude. There's a difference between a logo and a brand. Branding is what I'm, what I'm into. Branding is what I do. And that is all encompassing. That is so many components and so many ingredients in a company than just the logo. Your logo is your main thing that people see first, right? It's your identity. It's your identifier. But dude, I mean, building a brand from the ground up, like we did with Top Dog, it's such a beautiful thing because yeah. we're talking about colors, fonts, vibes, yeah. person, personality, impression, um, taglines, slogans, you know, emotions. So like at those, so you see what I'm saying? It's so much more than a logo when you're building a company's brand up. And it's a process. It's a step-by-step -step process to arrive at. Yeah. So, and I mean, like this stuff, I am far from like a designer. I'm like, I'm, you know, I have some creativity, but I can't ever put it to paper. Um, but like, let's, let's talk about that, man. So like the, you, you hinted at a difference between a brand and say a logo. Right. And I think like if we used Nike, Adidas, Starbucks, these are all huge brands with recognizable logos people know the swoosh people know the three lines right it's three lines like how is that but but i mean obviously you say adidas yeah the brand with the three stripes yeah 
That's the tagline. And, and, and maybe some of that maybe came from like run DMC, right? Mm -hmm. But not all of it. I mean, there's someone probably right now who's like, who the heck's run DMC, right? Well, so I don't think there is anybody that could say that, Joe. Yeah, of course there are. I, I, and let me get my 11-year-old kid in here and ask him if he knows, right? Fine. Okay, but but he knows, you know, Adidas, right? And that's my point. But like, but their brand is not their logo. That is their recognition. Where does the branding, how does that come about? How do we get there? Like, what is, you know what I mean? Like, because you said it, man, fonts, all the stuff, colors, because consistency is key when building a brand. You don't need a consistency to, to develop a logo. It's exploration and it's excavation. So that what involves with me and you meeting at the very beginning, me talking with you, having a conversation about what you're going to start. What is your business? Who is your audience? What are you passionate about? What do you want this thing to look like? So I start to gather information and I start to really listen. Here's the problem that people got to do, man. You got to listen to the client mm -hmm. so that you can listen between the lines because you might hear something. You might hear a color. You might hear a phrase where you go, oh, man, that's what they're trying to say. So then my job is to take all this information. How do I translate what you're telling me about this business? How do I translate that visually? What is what you're saying? What does your vision look like visually? And that's branding. So that when someone comes upon it, when someone uh, comes into contact or experiences that brand, they evoke a feeling in emotion, if it's done well. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like Top Dog, they used you because they like the logo. It stood out from all these other lame moving companies that were generic, that were whatever, you know? Yes. They found it interesting. They found it different. You got to be different, right? So that's the uniqueness that we all have. Every company has a certain uniqueness. We got to dial in, find that uniqueness, find that... Um, thing that that's that helps them stand out and then present it express it create it so that's that's like part of branding it's this yeah. journey it's this process yeah it's um it's an interesting one and i couldn't even imagine sitting down thinking about building you know the next amazon the next facebook the next you know because those things mattered to them too in fact um there's a, a cool podcast called Business Wars and they talk about Amazon versus Walmart because they're our two biggest retailers. Yeah. And of course, Amazon did not start as a retailer, um, you know, and they really started with like the book, you know, thing. And, Oops. and even before that, right. And like the whole concept and, but he always <laughs> kind of planned to rule the world. I mean, yeah. total, total world domination. So, yeah. Look at, dude, let's compare this because you got me excited now. Amazon, what do you think of? I think of a smiling face on a truck going through my neighborhood 17 times a day. Yeah. Okay. And you think of global domination taking over every facet of our lives, okay? Good or bad, kind of scary or whatever, you, however you want to look at it, they're, they've taken over and infiltrated every area. When I, let's talk, we're talking about this in context of branding. When I think of Walmart, I think of soulless, generic. What is that logo? Does that logo mean anything to you, Joe? When you see that logo? No, I, I think it's like a 
blue W, but it might be the whole word. Is it the whole word? Is that their logo? It's the whole word, but it has this little sun. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's yellow. Yellowy thing. It looks like an asterisk. Yes. What is it? Does, yeah. it move, does it move you in any way? Does it do anything for you? When I, no offense to Walmart, but I think of something generic and soulless. There's no soul in it. And then, unfortunately, dude, there's negative connotations with Walmart when we talk about customers that go to Walmart, whether that's true or not, right? Right. These are all things that people attach to the brand and to that image and to that business. Is that good or bad? I'm just saying it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, even if we focused on the positives of the company, what are they known for? Being the cheapest. That's what they're known for. Lowest price always. Yeah. And then what's Amazon known for? They're known for fast delivery. Two-day shipping, baby. Like, so even if we just focus on the positive things you're known for, I would, I prefer the other, you know, I prefer one versus the other, you know? Um, And I think that that stuff, I mean, like there's a meme out there that if Chick-fil-A was counting these ballots, we would have known, you know, before the election was over because of their customer service, right? That's hilarious. They're known for taking care of you. And every Chick-fil-A, this isn't just like, because we just started getting them in Michigan. This isn't just a Michigan thing. They always have lines. They're always busy, you know. And they're one day le- they work one day less a week. Yeah. So they, I mean, if we talk about, again, just financials, I mean, there's, they make tons of money. They seem to be a very profitable company, and yet they're only working six days a week. And they're not even working that late, too. It's not like they're open until 2 a.m. or, you know, they're not Taco Bell or something like that. They're closing at a reasonable time frame, plus not open on Sundays, and they're driving that kind of business. And people, not me, but people will wait in a one- or two-hour line for chicken, right? So it's chicken. I mean, it's the best chicken you ever had. It's still chicken, you know? So, like, it's crazy. They take care of you, man, and, and it shows. And for somehow, that's what they're known for. Yeah. So it's really important. Do you ever help somebody rebrand? Like, especially Walmart's too big of an example, but let's use the Walmart example. Like you said, there's negative connotations, right? There's negative connotations around Detroit. And people still say in 2020 that it's like, uh, you know, uh, burnt down city, um, okay. diet. Uh, Lord help us when our team is good because they bring up the 1984 World Series. I mean, literally, there are, you know, 36 years ago, and this is what we're talking about. It's still a joke, and it's fine if it's a joke, but it becomes a reality to a lot of people. And so, so there's negative connotations that get attached, like you said, like with Walmart, you know, the, there's memes, the people of Walmart. Right. And maybe those people really shop there, but we also know that you've probably shopped there and you don't fit that meme. And so have you ever helped someone rebrand? Oh yeah, man. All the time. Um, That's like one of the core services, whether that's a startup from, from scratch, helping someone brand or reinvent a brand or revamp, revamp a brand that's either on life support or just needs to get freshened up, you know, like every 30 years, all of the fast food restaurants rebrand, mm-hmm. you know, Wendy's will get a new logo. Uh, Burger King will get a new logo. Taco Bell, Arby's, they all, they all do that because things just kind of get stale and stagnant. And yeah. some, sometimes you need a refresh. Most companies do. Most companies do just kind of need to, um, and it also invigorates and brings 
excitement back into the organization, which is really cool. Because what I found is that when I start that journey with people rebranding, you got 10 people involved and you got eight people with their finger, with their arms crossed going, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. I don't like this. And they're negative yep. because they like the old, they're used to the old ways. They're used to this old thing, comfortable. Once we start this process of excavating and bringing new things to the surface and uh, relearning cool things about that company, dude, the excitement gets off the charts. All these people that were like mad, all of a sudden they get excited and they get buy-in and they get, um, they start spreading the, it's, it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's really cool how that happens almost a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. No, I, it, I go, I'll go back to that same podcast. That's sometimes some of the fun part about it is listening to, you know, how like the CEO of, of a big corporation didn't want to do something and then they gave it a whirl and, and it, you know, tend to work out. Now, of course there's misses, you know, if we talk about a company like a Macy's that started in, I think the 1800s, they yeah. haven't hit, you know, even singles every time, let alone home runs, right. They've struck out, yeah. but, and, and maybe they can afford to do that. Whereas maybe some people kind of can't, but they also had to do a much bigger renovation than, you know, a, a maybe smaller business has to do so. And I'm, I'm such a huge fan of like brands that have been around for over a hundred years. I think that's something to be celebrated. So on one hand, you got Coca-Cola and a brand like Levi's, you know, or Hershey's or something like that, where these are, these are brands that came out, like you said, the 1800s, dude, they're still going strong today. And I think that's an amazing testament to be able to weather all those storms and still be in business and still provide like a good product, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome, dude. I think that's awesome. The longevity of a brand is, is really cool. Yeah, no, you're right. It, even, even if they did it, some companies obviously do things in an unfavorable way, right? Like they buy out their competition or they, you know, do things, they lower their Amazon. Let's come back to one of the things that they'll do and they can really do now that they have billions of dollars, they'll take a loss until their competitor has to just leave the, the market, right? Um, now he did this when he had no money too. And that's why I don't mind it almost because I feel like he did this when he was like making $0 a year and he just operated at a loss because he knew what was going to be needed. And he does a lot more than that. Amazon does a lot more. That's one thing that they'll do, right? And um, it's really important to understand though like you say the, the longevity of what these companies amazon's not an example of longevity but you know of what these companies can do to be around especially as we talk about today's buyer models they're so different than 20 years ago well, yes and what's your let's just go here what's your do you have a favorite brand and it comes to mind some a brand that you like i know we've talked about a lot but i'll let i'll tell you mine and i think we'll, we'll be in agreement. uh starbucks is that that's a good one yeah that's, that's a solid brand in the original starbucks in 1971 when they started the original location in seattle check yeah. this out have you been there i've never been there I've, I've been to the seattle airport which doesn't even have a freaking starbucks in it by the way but that's not even that's not right um the original store at pike's place there has got the original branding the original logo from 1971 they kept it unchanged with the times. Yeah. So you go there and it's like a time warp back to 1971 when Starbucks started. And they only do that just for that original store. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Now, their, their story, again, love them or hate them, their story is an interesting one um, because of what the guy did, right? I mean, he was selling copiers or something like that, making, I think, six figures in like the 60s, right? I mean, he's doing very well for himself, but um, got involved in the coffee industry when he lost a job and was selling the machines, visited Italy, loved um, how they did things. You know, they greeted everybody and they talked to you. It was like a place to be, right? And so they've tried to create that and they try to keep that. It's why they are supposed to allow you to come in and not even order a coffee and just sit there, right? Um, Again, there's been some negative stories around some of those things that have happened, but as a whole, that's their company mantra. While we're talking about plugs, man, we're talking about cool stories like that. What about, you know, we talked about Shoe Dog yeah, and, and Phil Knight. That's a journey right there. That's an amazing story. Yep. And I almost said Nike um, for the brand. Yeah. But um, but I'm, I think when it comes down to it, Nike is my preferred gym shoe, but I'll wear Pumas. You know, and also like, I don't just buy Nikes, right? Like, so I buy Nike and I buy Pooh and I buy Timberland and I buy Calvin Klein and I buy, you know what I mean? So like, you're a, sneaker, you're a sneaker dude. Do, does your audience know that you are, a, you're a sneaker cat? Uh, probably not. Uh, maybe if they've seen like my uh, listing videos where I'm wearing some bright orange, you know, uh, Gatorade shoes, you know, but um, I think because a lot of times if I put on like a sport coat, I, I tend not to be the sport coat and sneaker guy. So even though it would, I have plenty that would match, you know, um, yeah, if I ever hit the lotto, like it's, in, it's troubled because I'd probably have a lot of, uh, more classic than new age shoes. Um, yeah. So my favorite brand of all time connected to Nike is, is Jordan. I mean, that logo is my favorite logo mark of all time. I think that is so iconic. And it, it, if we're talking about a logo that boils down the essence of a human being, of a person, does that logo not say Jordan? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is him as a person in a logo. And it's so classic. And it's so iconic. And I mean, you compare looking at the Jordan logo versus looking at like the Walmart logo. It yeah. just doesn't, it doesn't do the same thing. Jordan is just so epic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, the simpler the logo, the better, like the swoosh. But do you know how hard it is to arrive at a simple logo? Dude, it's so hard. Sure. Well, because I'm sure a lot of people look at the swoosh, especially when it's starting out and say like WTF, you know, because it's like, what is this thing? You know, and then like, how do I even replicate it? You know, because depending on your audience, you might say, well, I want kids to be drawing this or I want someone to be, you know, doing this. And, it's like it's a swoosh, you know. Uh, yeah. Who cares? You know? And, you, and you say if, if it's if it's simple, people say, "Well, I could do that." Like, well, why didn't you come up with it? Like the like Target. Yeah. That lo- that logo is Target. Period. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not like groundbreaking, but it 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 is what it is, you know. But the Jordan the Jordan logo is where it's at, man. Yeah, no, but it's, but that is a good example too of it coming right down to, it really resembles everything about it. And because you're going to have some people that will never buy Jordans, they hate Michael Jordan, you know, whatever. 
And so it's like, again, it works both ways. Someone sees that jump man and they either go, I want those, or they say, I don't want those, but they knew without even trying on the shoe because of the Jordan. And then if you're younger and you go like, what, what kind of logo is this? And then you see, oh, he jumped from the free throw line and dunked and he did this you know, gliding thing like this with a split leg. It's like, it comes all you know, full circle and you either get behind it or you don't, or maybe you're indifferent, whatever, but it's definitely a, a recognizable logo. And they're doing a billion dollars a year. <laughs> and we're talking about, if we're talking about brand, the Jordan logo to me is beyond a company. It's culture, it's athletics, it's street, it's street, it's like lifestyle. It's, um, it's like all these things that encompass that brand you know, or that, that image, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's like beyond a brand. Well, I think, I mean, growing up, I feel like Jordan was either for someone who played basketball or someone in an urban area. And then that changed over time, you know, for various reasons, but, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it meant something besides that you had at the time, probably a hundred dollars for shoes or something like that. It meant something to have some Jordans, you know, and, and actually you kind of see that with, you know, Kanye West, you know, shoes, right? Like uh, a somewhat similar thing with like these Yeezys. I mean, I mean, there's people that love them and I don't know if everyone loves them because they're the most comfortable shoe. Cause I can tell you this, I played basketball in some Jordans and uh, they were the worst basketball shoes I ever played in. Wow. They were could, heavy, they were like flat footed. They were, I mean, they sucked. Dude, what about the, right? What about Converse All-Stars, the Chuck Taylors, bro? Yeah, those were horrible basketball shoes. But here's the difference. At the time, there wasn't such a thing as a basketball shoe, really. You know, I had to wear them when I went to uh, the Catholic school I went to in seventh and eighth grade. Um, they required you to wear those shoes because they wanted to make sure that nobody had Jordans and then somebody else had like the pay less, you know, whatever. And so we all had to wear Converse All-Stars. And I swear to God, my feet would get torn up at gym class because they had to wear these. They're brutal, dude. Now, could you, if that was part of your uniform, could you, could, would they at least let you try different colors? Could you wear different, different colorways? They were that like off-white, like, and what's really funny is now I think those sell for like over a hundred dollars, but at the time they were about $27.99, you know? And so um and, and so everybody had to wear them and i i you might have been able it may have been uh canvas shoe white canvas shoe rule and maybe to try and keep it somewhat cool so you didn't wear the coles brand maybe you you won't be more stars. i don't remember but i do remember for a fact they had to be white canvas shoe and they were they sucked um but they're they're a cool shoe they're just not good to run in <laughs> yeah right Right. No doubt. So, so like all these people have been on a journey and stuff like that. And you, um, recently kind of like wrote about a journey, right? So you're a published author now. Yes, this is true. Uh, it's actually my third book that I, that I recently released out into the world. So I've been, been doing it for a couple of years and I really don't consider myself an author. If that's, if that sounds funny or not, but I, I have released books. So 
what are the other two books? Because they, I mean, I don't even, you know, I hate to say it. I don't know about them. No, it's okay. I mean, I, I don't really, like I said, uh, I don't consider myself an author. I consider myself a graphic designer. You're a brand, and let's, let's, let's just clarify, you are into branding and graphic design. You are not into promotion. Um, you might know about it and stuff, but uh, if anybody needs a promotion expert, I don't know if you're the guy to come to because I don't think you're on any social media, including LinkedIn, are you? I'm on LinkedIn and, and Twitter, but I'm not on Facebook. Okay. Or Instagram. And as a, as a design guy, there's probably someone who like, you know, just dropped their glass and it's shattered because they're like, how does a design guy not be on Instagram? And well, how does, yeah, it's the irony of it, right? In branding and marketing and I don't market myself. It is quite, it is quite strange. But it's working. So anyways, so, so yeah, so you don't promote um, your, your books and things like that. But we, I know about your most recent one. We'll talk about it. What's your other two? I did one in 2014 called Doldrums and the Divine Breath. It's a book about inspiration and being inspired in life. All right. And the second one's called The Ferrari in the Garage. It's a book about prayer. So that one's a different subject altogether. But this recent one, if, if we're going to talk about it, um, you know, uh, it's about uh, dreams and motorcycles. Okay. So, so like, and we had started talking about this and I said, dude, we got to like do the, you know, the, the, the recording, the podcast, whatever we're calling this, you know, cup of gel, right? This series. And so, um, and I said, you know, we're going to stop talking about it so that I can learn something during, during that time. But, um, you know, it's kind of about following a dream a little bit, right? It's about following a dream and making that dream real. Uh, and I'm using the metaphor of a motorcycle. The motorcycle is the dream. That um, the reason why is because I've always had this fixation and fascination with motorcycles, and I've been terrified of them. I'm afraid of motorcycles. I'm afraid to get on one because I think that it will cost me my life. That could probably, there's a possibility that I could die mm -hmm. if I ride a motorcycle. But I see them as this incredible symbol of freedom. And when I see someone on a motorcycle, I'm always like in awe that that person has chosen to ride and is enjoying the ride and is living, in my mind, free. They've overcome a lot of fears and they're free. So it's a symbol of freedom. It's a symbol of danger. It's a symbol of adventure and risk. I've, I've, so, that's what I, so that's the motorcycle. The invisible motorcycle is a dream. So I connected this idea that dreams are a lot like that for, for us, dude. We want to get on the bike and ride. We want that dream to become real in our lives, an idea, a desire, something that we want so badly for our life, big or small. Yet we're, we're afraid to get on it. We, we have these different fears, but yet they're similar in that it requires adventure, risk, and danger to tackle the dream. And so I'm just, the whole book is about comparing a motorcycle to uh, an invisible dream that is not yet materialized yet in your life. Okay. And I'm going to be reading it. So I'm traveling, I think, uh, assuming we can travel in a couple of weeks, because I'm not a hard book guy. I'm an audible book guy. A neighbor jokes and says that I like to be um, uh, like read to, to go to bed, you know, like whatever. Uh, Bedtime story? Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you need me to come over to your house and read you a bedtime, read my book as a bedtime story? If you could. And so that'd be, that'd be a little weird. 
Probably, especially because then I'd wake up when you leave and then, so it wouldn't really be that effective. Um, that would be the weird part, not the fact that you'd be in my bedroom reading to me. That that's right, that's right. But, uh, um, and, and so uh, the, the hard copy of a book normally for me gets read on an airplane um, yeah. and then maybe at the destination, depending on where we're going and what we're doing and stuff like that. And so um, I'm gonna get the copy from you and I'm gonna be able to knock it out. Um, Cause I think it's a relatively short book anyways, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a power-packed little manifesto. It's not really long. It shouldn't okay. take you too long to get through it. And, and so, you know, I'm okay with the spoiler alert, though, because it's getting red no matter what. Have you gotten on a motorcycle? I knew you were going to ask that question. Um, I have not ridden a motorcycle yet, man. Um, have you had experience on one? But I don't have that. I, it doesn't even really interest me. Do you see them as dangerous? Do you have like any, uh, I'm not interested, but I mean, do you see them as kind of how I described them as potentially risky and, uh, yeah. you know? No, hundred percent. I think, so I, I, driving a car is risky. It's something like a one in four, one in five percent, you know, chance of getting into a car accident. Like every time you drive, it's something really low. You know, I might be misquoting this, um, uh, uh, factor or, or whatever, but it's very, um, you know, high percentage chance of at least an accident. And then amongst accidents, there's a certain percent chance of, you know, death, right? And this is in a car. This is in like something that has airbags and seatbelts and protection and, you know, things around it. So then you have the motorcycle, which is, of course, wide open, very little protection, and then likely to cause your body to go hurling, you know, some distance with the accident, depending on what the accident is, right? Right, right. Um, so I think that driving in general is dangerous and then being on a motorcycle is just that much more. Um, and then the potential for you to have that freedom feeling and looseness feeling then maybe increases your risk of driving differently than what you would normally drive. So I definitely think they're, they can be dangerous, 100%. I'm the type of person, like the dream scenario for me would be to have a motorcycle out in the country, you know, where I'm away from like, you know, traffic and the freeways. I wouldn't, I don't want to drive one on the freeway. Yeah, I want to be fully alive. And I think that your senses on a motorcycle have got to be so engaged. You must feel, hear, smell everything when you're when you're on a bike. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have a feeling it just gives you a heightened sense of being alive. And I think that's what we crave. That's what we long for. And I think that's what a dream is. Tackling a dream is like something you want really bad. And when you can achieve it and when you can get there. You have a heightened sense, man, of being alive and of accomplishment and fulfillment. And um, you've also chipped away at some of your fears. You've also broken through some of your fears. And that's what the motorcycle is going to be for me, man. It's going to be breaking through some of my fears to enjoy that ride. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be stupid and foolish and reckless. I just want to enjoy the ride. Yeah. What kind of motorcycle do you want to drive, though? Do you well, want to be... Harley or like Honda or do you want like a little like Kawasaki or you know what do you want to what do you want to be on probably like a cruiser man like I, I have a feeling like you know I want to go with the niche bike that's a little cool that's not that not everybody's driving so like an Indian motorcycle or like a um what are some what's another brand that's like that there's another one out there uh I can't think of it right now but just a cruiser man I don't want anything extravagant 
I don't want a big old, you know, uh, chopper or anything like that, dude. Because yeah. it's, again, I bring it back to the dream. The risk is not the reward. The, it's, it's the ride, you know? It's the sense that you actually did it and you, you, uh, you went for it and you succeeded, you know? And you get to enjoy that. Yeah. And so the question is, is how many people have dreams and desires or a plan or, you know, a project, but they just leave it on the shelf. They leave it stuck in their head and they don't fully work on it or flesh it out. I think that's the big tragedy that they don't make the motorcycle. Yeah. Well, and, and from the book's standpoint, this is a, um, it's a metaphor, right? So an example of a motorcycle for you is saying creative, right? Like, totally. Because I'm sure even when you're an employee somewhere and times were good, you still probably had days or times that you thought, man, I could probably do this on my own, right? Because I think everybody thinks that, right? It's like, you're working at McDonald's, you're like, dude, I could totally make hamburgers and sell them, you know? Like, well, this yeah. is hard, you know? And so everybody has that thought. And so for you, a motorcycle, you know, is St. Creative. Another motorcycle is probably a family. Another, you know, there's a lot of motorcycles, right? So, there's, dude, there's so many, Joe, and they're all unique to us, dude. And, and that's the thing. You might have one or two or three that are in your mind that you want to tackle. And the beautiful thing is that they don't have to be this massive thing like starting a business. You know, that's a big one. A lot of people have that feeling. Dude, I want to open up like a coffee shop. I want to open up a, you know, a cupcake store, you know? Yeah. Uh, invisible motorcycle but i think someone like like i always wanted to build a deck or a tree fort mm-hmm. it's a that's an invisible motorcycle because it's something that's that you envision in your mind you can see the full outline but it's not there yet you haven't created it you haven't manifested it so it could be anything starting a family like you say so so the so i just want to reiterate that it's small or big that it's all that va- it's all valid yeah but you got to, but do you go for it? Do you do it, man? Yeah. That's, that's the haunting feeling. That's the haunting question. Are you going to tackle that motorcycle? So when do you think you're going to tackle the real motorcycle? You know, I've driven past Schoolcraft and I've noticed over the years that they have a motorcycle class that's on Saturdays in the springtime. Uh-huh. And I feel like that would be a good start, maybe to take a class. Another thing, if we're going back to that business question that we, we talked about earlier, Maybe I need to talk to someone that's been on a bike, that ha- that owns bikes, has a lot of experience to give me a heads up, to give me some tips, to point me in the right direction, to tell me how to start riding, you know what I mean? To mentor me. Yeah. You know, all those things. So that's just, you're, you're, that's just one for me, man. That's, that's a, it's literally a metaphor for the book, but it's a literal motive. It's literally a, a dream for me too. It's yeah. Both. Well, so how, about, how about you? Uh, man, that's a good question. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. From like a, something that I've really thought about that I haven't done or, you know, that I really want to do and I haven't done, um, you know, outside of like increasing things that I'm already doing, you know. So I'm not really sure that I've that I've really got something there right now. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't want to put you on the spot, but it's all good. I just think that, man, if, we, if you thought about it like later on today, dude, I'm sure you could put a list of invisible motorcycles that, that you'd like to tackle so in this life, you know? But I think, you know, kind of coming back to how we started this conversation even today, for me, real estate was definitely one. Because when I was 23, 
um, and like getting ready to graduate college, you know, uh, yeah, later than, than some, you know, 23, 24, I think I was 24 when I finally did, maybe I was older. I don't know. Uh, you know, it happened. I didn't do four years and out. I did like six years and out. So anyways, when I was doing those things though, I, uh, I was fascinated by the world of real estate. You know, I was fascinated by, um, my realtor, who I didn't think was like great. She's super nice and helpful, but she wasn't like good in the sense of like finding houses and stuff. And certainly this is kind of somewhat pre-internet, right? Like the internet existed, but that wasn't the main way for the MLS to operate and stuff. And I was like, I probably could do that better, you know? Um, but it was super scary. I had never, I was not raised to think about working for yourself if anything, I was raised to believe that doing that is a bad idea um, yeah. because it's the risk is not worth the reward. Fraught with risk and danger, man. And right. so, you know, and I was recently, I got married young. So graduated college late, married young. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, recently married and my wife's a nurse and stuff. So she like, she's got her path. And it was like, well, I'm not going to try to keep figuring out paths. Like, I'm just going to follow my path you know, and that was to work for somebody and something and as a manager. And, and so then, um, I don't know, some years goes by, you know, maybe another 10 years and I'm really investigating businesses and things like that. And that's really how the moving company came about was, you know, Dave was an entrepreneur at like 15, maybe younger and, um, and, and doing well. And I was telling him about, you know, an idea. And he was like, dude, we need to just do something together. You know, we have a passion, you know, that we share. Can I add something? Of course. He, he's, he's funny. First off, I, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up Top Dog because you have built motorcycles. You have made invisible motorcycles. Mm -hmm. So I think the more you make, the less scared you get. If you, if you accomplish some, you go, man, like I rode that motorcycle. I can do it again. I can do another one. You know, it gives you more confidence and courage to do it again. Yeah. And then Dave's funny because if you give him any idea, <laughs> he's all for it. He'll be like, let's do it. Let's start. Yeah. He's like, you want to ride motorcycles? I just rented two, um, uh, what's those Italian motorcycles that are super fast? Oh, yeah. Those uh, I know what you're talking about. Like I just rented two of them. I'm coming over and we're going to jump right on and we're going to see if we can get this thing to 220. Like, <laughs> or he's like, Hey, let's just start a motor co motorcycle company. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about getting one, but I thought we should just, you know, build one. So, <laughs> um, and, and so, so we started the company, um, because I was, I was just getting tired of doing what I was doing and I wanted to do something else. And I initially wanted to buy out an existing business that either was successful or maybe needed the rebranding and needed a different set of eyes, right? Not something that was failing, but just something that wasn't working the way it should be working. And, um, and finally, there was a moving company for sale in my wife's hometown of Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And by the time we put offers in and all stuff, by the time we were ready to, you know, move forward, the guy that was selling said, I, I actually don't want to sell anymore. I initially listed this business almost a year ago because I, I was doing some cancer treatments. And for him, he was like, this is all I know. I've been doing it since the 80s, you know? Yeah. And again, you know, Dave 
and I had already been talking about business opportunities and, and discussing things. And he had said, when I first put the offer in, he's like, dude, we can totally start a company way cheaper than you're buying this before. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But you know, it's a client base and whatever. And he agreed, obviously. So when that didn't happen, just called him up. I said, Hey, you still want to do that moving company? And I initially planned to work part-time and do the moving company part-time till it grew. And I mean, the phone started ringing like right away. Right. And I had to go to my boss and say, Hey, I'm going to put in my two weeks. And he goes, dude, you know, like, do you really need two weeks? I don't need two weeks. Be available. If I need you, I got a question. And maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll plan on you coming in for a few hours to show us some stuff that you were doing that I haven't figured out yet. And I said, that's awesome. Right. So, um, and he's still a friend of mine and, um, and mentor in certain ways too. you know, my old boss. Right. And so, uh, so anyways, the moving company was awesome, but just a tough, tough business and just wasn't going to go the way that I saw the rest of my life. And so, um, it was just a natural progression to go to real estate. And if I have a regret, it's that I didn't do it at 23, right? Because now maybe it wouldn't work the same way at 23, different life experiences, right? The moving company helped me be prepared for that best case scenario, 30 to 45 days. No, I didn't get a paycheck for like six months, but then I got a paycheck in six months and like six months and two weeks and then seven months and seven months in a week and seven months and then 10 days and seven, you know what I mean? So like it took me a while, but then they kept coming because I was building that base and getting those, yeah. deals, you know, so definitely have had one. Um, I just don't have anything right now. That's kind of like a bigger picture, you know, like, Oh, I definitely want to do that. And I, I don't know if I can, I got to get out there and do it. Um, but, but this was definitely mine, you know, for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And again, I, I want to reiterate that it can be something small. I mean, if, if there's someone out there that like can look at their backyard and they go, man, I want to plant a garden. Mm -hmm. and, they, and then they start to envision it and you can actually see it, right? You can start to say, oh, I'm going to do this process. I'm going to prepare. And then you imagine it and then you do the hard work because everything, nothing's going to come. No, no motorcycle is going to be made without hard work, right? Absolutely. It's, it's just, you just expect it. You do this work and you put your time and investment into it. And then, you know, you start to materialize something really beautiful. And it's, and it's so different for each one of us, but the process is kind of similar. Yeah. And then you get to enjoy that ride. That's, that's what I keep coming back to. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I think, you know, do you have a time frame for when you think you might think you might want to actually jump on one or is it just kind of still out there for you? You know, now, now the pressure's on, man. You're putting the pressure on. Uh, what's funny about motorcycles is a lot of people I talk to that are motorcycle riders, they, they rode them when they were in their 20s, <clears throat> college and 20s. Yep. And then, they had a, then they had a family and they put it down. They put yeah. it away for 20 years and then they brought it back when they're in their 40s, 50s and 60s. Yeah. Why? Because they'll tell you, dude, it's so dangerous that I don't want to die and leave my kids fatherless. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, dude, more, more than one person has told me that. That's why they. That's why they leave it for like twenty years. Yeah, that's crazy. It is. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's just like anything else. And this is really think. This is really big in business too, right? Is if you talk, if I went and talked to um, Jeff Glover, he's a pretty you know well known real estate agent around here, and then I go and talk to maybe someone who 
um, left the business this year. It's going to be two totally different stories, right? And I can just tell you, like at one point, um, I was really hesitant to join a brokerage. And I was hesitant because of the things that I heard. And I was hesitant because things that I heard were about how they don't help you there. They preach this and they don't do that and all that stuff. But you really have to investigate and sometimes even experience it for yourself. Clearly there's things in life that we know you don't have to experience to know that it's a bad thing, right? Like you don't have to get sick to know that it sucks, but you might want to research, you know, some of the stuff. And so what I learned was the issue was the people that were at that company, in my instance, the people that I talked to that were at that company and, and were unsuccessful, it had nothing to do with the company. It had to do with their ability to plug in, you know? And so when I went to the company, I loved it there. You know, like I liked the people. You thrived there, right? I did good. I liked the people. I liked the atmosphere. The training that I was told about existed. And what I, even myself, there was like so much availability of training that you didn't go to it all. Like, when am I supposed to sell? Right. So, but, but what I figured out was that this person over here who told me that the company sucked, that they didn't train you, whatever, it was because they never went to training. Like, the thing about most real estate companies is no one's saying, hey, Carl, Tuesday at nine, you got to be here. They're like, hey, Carl, Tuesday at nine, we're doing, you know, sales training. Tuesday at 10, we're going to do contract training. And Tuesday at 11, we're going to do, title work training and but no one's saying but and I expect to see you there and if you're not there you, you can't come on Wednesday like you're done here no one typically nobody says that I'm sure there's companies that they do typically no one says that so then when you decide not to come to sales training at nine not to come to contract training at 10 and not to come to title work training at 11 and then you don't know anything about it was that on you or is that on the company you know so that was really big and something that I kind of knew, but like really reinforced for me about experience, research, um, listening, you know, because again, if I talk to the real estate agent that just got out of the business, they're probably going to tell you how bad the business is, how risky it is, how there's no money in it. And then if I talk to, presumably if I talk to Jeff Glover, he's going to tell me how awesome it is, how much money you can make, how satisfying it is, you know, all those types of things. So you're going to get these two different stories and it's important to get both, I think, so that you can figure out how you're going to fit into that. But yeah. at the same time, it, you have to, you have to go after it. You have to experience it yourself if that's something you want to do because your life and your thoughts and your processes is what's going to make that thing, whether it's this business or something else for you, right? right. Like if you and I jump on a motorcycle together, we're, I might really love it, but you're going to love it in a different way because it's been something you've thought about. You know, whereas like for me, it, it might be going to a gun range. Like I might get more excited about something like that. And you might be like, oh, okay, yeah, it's shooting a gun, pop, pop, big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's everything, right? It's, it's all life experience and, and what you put into it. Yeah. Yep. And to your point, pl pl you need to have planning and preparation. If you're going to work on a dream, it's not going to, they don't happen overnight. So you, you have to play the long game and you have to be dedicated and determined and committed to it. It's not like, oh, you know, I want this and then I'm going to flake out or give up after six months. So there is going to be a season 
for any any greatness to be achieved or any anything to get made is going to take a time. It's going to take a season of preparation, planning, learning, and I might have to add trying and failing. Mm-hmm. Failing is going to be in the mix at some point, and failure and you know mistakes, and and, and hopefully getting back up and keeping at it. But that's that's just inevitable. Yeah, no, absolutely. You 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 really need. I mean, like it's important to have a positive and a, and a forward thinking mindset, but you really need to think about what are you going to do if a roadblock comes up, um, because you got to be prepared. I mean, like. I'm not comparing myself or yourself to a Navy SEAL, but like one of the things that those guys do is try to prepare for everything. Scenarios. Right. Like even in, and, and so, and they still do some things like really old school in case the new age technology doesn't work and all this stuff. Right. And so if you're going to make your plan, whether it's, you know, your, your path to dinner or it's your, you know, life path right like if you haven't thought that on the way there could be a traffic block then like you haven't really prepared much at all and then you probably won't deal with it well right like how well do you deal with traffic when you have 12 minutes to be somewhere and you left one minute late and then there's just like ducks crossing the road and you're pounding the steering wheel and i'm cursing you probably aren't and all these things you know because I didn't plan for those damn ducks, you know, and I'm late and I'm frustrated by it. Let alone, like, if some ducks are crossing the road in like a real road life scenario, right? So, yeah, right. And, and then at the end of the day, though, those ducks cross the road and I get to that meeting, and unfortunately, I'm late, and maybe that has a negative impact depending on the meeting, but the meeting still happens. And or the dinner still happens, or wherever I was going, I still get my flu shot. Whatever I was going to happens, or it doesn't. I don't know. But you know, if you haven't thought about what's going to happen, um, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Sure. So, anyhow, man, I think probably, especially business, we could probably go forever. Um, I don't want to keep you forever. Plus, I just told you I don't eat in the morning. So it's like it, we've crossed the 12 o'clock threshold. My, my tummy's saying, like, put some food in me. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, it's been good. I'm so, I'm so glad we can do this. Thank you for, for asking me, man. I'm honored. Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited to read this book. And then I'll probably want to read the next couple, too. And uh, I wish you would promote something about yourself because you have an awesome business, St. Creative. You might have good books. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But, you know, that's up for people to decide. And nobody knows stuff. You're doing well, right? St. Creative is, is thriving. And I know that you don't want to be, you know, Fiverr, right? Like you're not trying to be a multi-billion dollar outsourcing company. But like, I just wish more people knew about you and that more people could utilize your services because uh, you're an awesome dude and an awesome company and maybe an awesome author that you're not, right? So maybe. Well, thanks. Thanks, man. You're, you're awesome too. So cool, man. Thanks. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon. All right. Have a good one. All right.